Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 204, episode 3 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Wednesday, October 6, 2021. We will update you on what international day it is shortly. Mm-hmm. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Jesus will let you fuck if your friend jump humps. Uh, that is courtesy of Christy Yamaguchi Slain. Uh, talking about a little floating, soaking. I've heard it referred to as both. But um, one thing we know is it is irrevocably true uh, and i'm thrilled to be joined as always by my co-host mr miles gray seems like each time i bring you over to mine yeah we just always end up soaking again and just as it was getting up you said it wasn't good enough we need a friend to jump on the bed baby you want me to get hard so could oh you remove that bedside photo of God? Cause I'm in so deep and I'm trying to keep myself stiff as a board to not <laughs> anger our Lord. Yeah, I'm in so deep and I'm starting to scream at my friend who's bouncing. Please start bouncing harder. Please start bouncing harder. And that is from Podge Moran. A little shout out to the Church of Latter-day Saints in Too Deep by Sum 41 collab. Thank you for that one. Beauty. Oh, and the National Day. I mean, look, it's this is a huge day. So get ready for, uh, let me just run a few uh, off for you. National Walk to School Day. National Pumpkin Seed Day. National Plus Size Appreciation Day. National Orange Wine Day, National Noodle Day, and the list goes on. And also National German American Day. So, yeah. yeah. With me. Just uh, as a kind of update on where I'm at, I was just having a conversation with my three year old about the difference between fruits and vegetables. And I, th- I think this must happen to every parent where they realize that the whole thing about like there being seeds in fruits but not vegetables is complete and utter bullshit. Because I was like, yeah, well, so a tomato is actually a fruit because it has seeds. And he was like, yeah, but what about like zucchini? What about cucumbers? What about pumpkins? And I realized that I had been lied to my whole life. And I've been made to look like a fool in front of my three-year-old. Whoa. Whoa. So not not happy about this. But Miles, we are thrilled to be joined <laughs> in our third seat by a brilliant TV writer, performer, Enrolled Khalid's Indian tribal member and all-around comedy guy, to quote his website. He's written on shows for Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, DreamWorks, and is a staff writer on the upcoming Netflix fantasy adventure series Spirit Rangers. Please welcome the hilarious, the talented Joey Clay. Joey! Uh, hey, how's it going, everybody? And I gotta, I gotta jump in with a song, too. Uh, yeah. I, I think I know the game. Oh, soaking is really clean. She's got jumping, humping on a bed, but you know I read it in a soakazine. Uh, soaking on a bed, Oh, soaking on a bed. Have you done it yet? Oh, but they're so jump humped out. So, 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 soaking on a bed. Wow. Soaking, soaking. Soak it on a bed. Done. Jump. <laughs> hump. 
jump, jump, <laughs> jump. Oh, yeah. It's almost jump, like pump, someone's jump. jump humping on the piano keyboard. Wow. Uh, that would a dun, great animated dun, short that would make. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I always, every time I'm on the Daily Zach, guys, thanks for having me back, by the way. I forget about the song parody game. And then while you're doing it, I'm just like, oh, I got to panic. Google, oh, what's the song that I know the tune to that I can very quickly do a parody of off the top of my head? Damn. Yeah. Well, a testament to your quick mind there. Yeah, also, yeah. Jack, you know, a lot of people like that. I believe that you would still consider a cucumber, an eggplant, a, a zucchini, a fruit. Yeah. Well, but I don't. So, okay, that's fine. All right, that's fair. Oh, that okay. is not in my household, sense. Miles. Yeah, not, yeah. Not, not, not here. Get that out of here. Get that off the pot. I don't like that kind of science. Eh, not, yeah. not for me. So, what is a vegetable then? It's just like carrots. Is that like carrots? <laughs> just carrots. That's, it. that's the only vegetable. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I'm just trying to think of it. And then like bananas have really tiny seeds that like you can't really even see. It's uh, it's a mess in there. Yeah. Come on, science. Yeah, isn't that Figure that's the out. difference? Is that Fruits have seeds in them, whereas vegetables are like the pulp with the. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm a comedy well, writer. I guess like the other thing is like there's a botanical and culinary ways they look at it. So like right. a fruit, like, you know, because it's saying what part of the plant it's coming from. Right. So yeah. those what, those ones will technically be the fruit because it's coming from the flower of the plant. And then the other ones could be. I guess vegetables look at the end of the day, I go with the seed rule and it allows me to be an insufferable asshole at supermarkets. Yeah, I feel like when I was a kid, I used to go by the taste rule and that fruits tend to have like a sweeter taste. Right. And yeah. vegetables t tend to be, you know, a little bit more like savory is not the right word for it, but like a little bit bland, like not as much sweetness. Right. And then like, you know, you find out that tomatoes are technically fruits and that just threw yeah. me all off. Tomato sauce is a fruit smoothie, basically. Get the fuck yeah. out of here with that. Come on like applesauce you know although the uh tomatoes actually a fruit was like i think my first like counterfactual like actually it's kind of surprising but when i was like five years old so you know what's funny though i re i reacted like you are now to someone saying that i go no it's not just stop just shut up right you're like well it's technically i'm like well technically we're about to not eat lunch together yeah the <laughs> I, was, anymore. I was like that when it was announced that pluto wasn't a planet and I was just like, right. uh, so, hey, no. alternate thought, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> How about this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. But uh, yeah, uh, Miles, just what you were talking about, about uh, applesauce a second ago. One of my, like, I guess I would say early pandemic panic purchases, you know, the first couple of days when, you know, we were all like trying to grab toilet paper and stuff like that. I was in the supermarket and I just saw like a case, a 24 pack of applesauce that I was just like, oh, that's calories, just in case it gets real <laughs> yeah. bad. Uh, so I, just, I, and I do not Sugar. really like applesauce. It is since, like, and it was like four bucks, so I was like, oh, this'll do. It's been sitting on my kitchen table for a year and a half at this point. Wow. It expired in April. <laughs> I have wow. not thrown it away, though, because it's just comforting to me that it's there and also a reminder of my shame, I guess. Yeah, and you can, if you want to have a party, just pop one of them open down uh, it. hell yeah dude i turned into pruno or something by this point yeah <laughs> anyway back to the benny and the jets parody <laughs> so 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 soaking on the bed <laughs> soaking 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 on the bed oh man i could do it i could do the whole episode about this yeah <laughs> all right we're gonna get to know you a little bit better in a moment first a uh, few things that we're gonna be talking about we're gonna talk about hospitals 
aka communist China firing everybody uh, because they just wouldn't get the vaccine. Okay, 1984. Okay, big brother. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about Francis Haugen, the Facebook whistleblower. Are we pronouncing it Haugen? Hogan? Hogan, yeah. Haugen, who went and spoke in front of Congress and like sort of for the first time spoke in English that the Congress people were able to understand. We'll talk about We'll talk about Starbucks stands, collectors' items, and, of course, the war on Christmas has started, it being October. So we will talk about the the tropes that are getting picked up on the right and the ones that are being ignored as hard as possible. Uh, all of that, plenty more. But first, Joey, we do like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history? I I'm not really a big sports person i'm somebody that i would consider to be like kind of a fair weather sports fan and that you know i grew up around washington state so of course when washington teams are doing great i'm happy but i uh, just released an animated short through comedy central about native american sports mascots and we plan to release it around kind of the last game that the cleveland indians played under that name they announced they were changing the name last year but they wanted to do you know full season under that name as a, I don't know, farewell tour, I guess. A farewell fuck yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And um, we released the short last week. The Cleveland Indians played their last game under that name on Sunday. So for probably months, every few days, I would like panic Google, what are the chances of the Cleveland Indians getting into the playoffs? Because <laughs> I'm just like, oh, if they like do Please well, the then like, the, yeah, it's like, oh, like, it's like we're set for October or something. But if they get into the playoffs, then the video might not come out until December. Oh, that would suck. Right. So um, it's the most like I, I've never rooted against a team so hard for, I guess, selfish Hell purposes. Yeah. No, yeah. not selfish at all. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, oh, if they do well, it might affect my, like, video release. <laughs> and, what are they going to be now? Like, the boomers or something? <laughs> yeah, the boomers. The guardians. Yeah, the, the Cleveland baby boomers. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? The guardians? Oh, yeah. Lodo is just like a 60-year-old person on Facebook, like, sharing a <laughs> sharing an anti-vax meme. Yeah. Or, like, they should still be the Indians. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, his, that's his voice bubble. Because, yeah, mascots yeah. have voice bubbles, right? Yeah, yeah it's always. Yeah, the only person on a hunched over Facebook on a computer. Hell yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think that that would be appropriate of a boomer culture. And if boomers did not like that, I'd get it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Our time honored traditions. Yeah. 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 Not not our mascots, the boomers will say. (laughs) 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 But yeah, so that's something that I've and it was it was great because like I feel like a couple months ago they had like a 5% chance of getting the playoffs. But like. They haven't played great. And the uh, Chicago White Sox, I think, have played really well. So, like, their chances of getting into the playoffs dropped a little bit more. And it was like, once I hit, like, less than 1% chance, I was like, oh, I think I'm in the clear. And then the week of the thing, it was like 0% chance of getting to the playoffs. And I was like, hell yeah. Yeah. Baseball playoffs are upon us. Tis the season to uh, notice that baseball is still a sport that people watch. And yeah, a lot of that old merch from the rebrand, they're just like, they're donating it, also selling it, but then giving the proceeds to charity. Right. I don't know which, I don't know which charity that is, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it's just, Jesus. it's a fan named charity who they just give their, they give extra money to. <laughs> oh, it's the owner's granddaughter. Yeah, the owner's charity. granddaughter charity. 
Right. Yeah, they're they are changing the name to the Cleveland Guardians, which I think is in reference to I don't know, bridge builders or something. I yeah, don't there's know. something with the bridge that's next to the stadium that went when I was like, this name is not great, but fine. We're we're glad it's changing. Not a great name. Uh, I got a lot of replies with people giving me uh, linking off to like 25 minute long YouTube videos explaining the name. <laughs> and you watch that, and now you're super anti-vax. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> exactly. uh, what is something you think is overrated? I'm a really big professional wrestling fan. It's something I've been a fan of my entire life, pretty much. And um, there are a series of matches that happened in the 2010s in New Japan Pro Wrestling, a wrestler named Kenny Omega versus a wrestler named Okada, which are considered to be the greatest professional wrestling matches in the history of professional wrestling. Dave Meltzer is a pro wrestling journalist of note who has a five-star scale of how he rates matches in terms of quality. And one of the Okada Omega matches, he rated seven stars, which like broke his scale. It was so good. And I got to say, right. I just don't see it. I'm a big pro wrestling fan. The matches are like, they're the the problem with them is that they're all like 40 minute long epics so it's mm. sort of like sitting down to you know like a three-hour movie or something like that in pro wrestling match terms and i don't know i just kind of want to watch people do flips and kick each other in the face i'm not sure if i want 20 minutes of like slow mat wrestling action to get to the cool <laughs> stuff you know <laughs> that's funny there is a bias uh, like in certain you know, fan bases where I, I feel like the longer the movie for a while was it was considered like, well, that's a that's a classy movie, even though I think a lot of times like you, you should at least have a couple 90 minute movies on your like top five list. It shouldn't just all yeah. be like three like, hour long epics. You know? Yeah. Like sometimes you're in the mood for like a four hour long, you know, like sometimes you're in the mood for Citizen Kane or whatever, or sometimes you're in the mood or like, yeah, like a 90 minute like Die Hard or something like that, where it's just like, oh, like it's a like TikTok a video of someone getting hit by a train. Yeah, totally, right. totally, totally. And it's I think it's, you know, like the, both of those wrestlers are so good. And like, I'm a fan of Okada and Omega separately. It's just like this thing that the fandom has called the best series of matches of all time. And I'm like, yeah, it's I don't know. It's like sometimes you want you know, a seven minute long like rush song or something like that. Or sometimes yeah. you want like a minute 30 punk song. And like, yeah, I feel like I'm more on the minute 30 punk song side of things. Yeah. One of my like my mom's really good close friends is uh, used to be married to that wrestler Masa Saito, who's Mr. Saito. Like, oh, in the shit. WWF, like back in the day. And I remember around the time I was so into wrestling that I went when we were in Japan, she's like, oh, come out. We're having like the. I forget whatever, like with all, with all those tournaments, like the G1 climax. Oh, yeah. oh hell yeah, the G1 fucking yeah. rules. <laughs> yeah, so I went to one of those, and I was like, I was like, I'm ready because I had already been to a couple, you know, WWF house shows and a WrestleMania, and I was like, okay, this is it. And the culture around the shows were so different. I was like having this like sort of bit <laughs> of wrestling culture clash happening, right? Me. Uh, but it's true. Like it is, it, it offers like a completely different version. Whereas to me, a 14 year old who's just been mainlining Dwayne, the rock Johnson, like clips, uh, I was just a little bit like, okay, yeah, that was cool. That was, there was some cool stuff in there. There's some yeah. good technical stuff in there. Yeah. And like NJPW, it's, it's really good. It's like, I would say that if WWE is like the action movie form of wrestling, 
where it's just like, yeah, the Undertaker's shooting out fireballs, like Kane's his long lost brother, blah, 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 blah. Like NJPW is like, oh, this is like a, the sport version of this. Right. Like, you know, there's not as there's not like magic stuff. Nobody is like secretly a demon or whatever. Right. It's very much just like, oh, these are two like top of their form athletes who like understand the sport of professional wrestling to a T and like are so good at like the performative aspects of it. So it's yeah. like it's a little bit more real in how they perform their moves like uh, they hit like there's this thing called strong style where wrestlers will hit each other for real as hard as humanly possible, but in safe spaces. So it's like a forearm as hard as you can to like the shoulder where it might hurt, but it's not going to like right. injure you knock or you out like that. Right. right. It's like punching on the shoulder, like sort of when you're a kid, like a thing that I feel like young oh, boys like getting do. someone a dead but arm. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Arm. Okay. You get one. You get where one. Like, yeah, you get one. I'll take it. I can take it right there. Go. Yeah. <laughs> when the, and the wrestlers are really good at like, uh, there's a wrestler named uh, Kota Ibushi, who's like one of the best wrestlers in the world, who famously does a lot of like just insane drops on his neck. Like he gets pile driven straight on his neck all the time. <laughs> and it like looks insane. And the way that he can do that is he just does a lot of neck exercises. Wow. So it's sort of that thing of like, oh, right. they like do the moves for real to each other, but they are trained in such a way that they're like not going to get injured doing it. Whereas WWE is more the showmanship side of it of like, it's right, like WWE is right. a little bit, you know, faker for lack of a better term in that like things are a little bit more slight of handed away as to how things are done. Whereas NJPW, it's just like, oh, dudes are just dropping each other on their necks for real. <laughs> right, right, right. And then people like in like a backyard match in like Tampa are like, did you see that clip? Yeah, we should try that on a, <laughs> on a regular folding yeah. table and then yeah, be yeah. surprised when someone has a TBI. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of all the places to you know, do the do the sleight of hand that convinces people to do really dangerous things. I feel like America, not the best choice for that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right, right, right. Do you but, have a, a top match like that you think is at the top of the pyramid? Yeah, it should be. I mean, it changes all the time. It's like probably my all time is definitely going to be like Undertaker versus McFoley, Hell in a Cell 19. Yeah which is like the most famous pro wrestling match yeah. of all time where Mick Foley got like thrown off the cell a bunch of times. And um, something I really love about that match is I was doing a show just, just before the pandemic where I was like workshopping a half hour show, but I had the theater booked for an hour. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to workshop the show. Then afterwards we'll watch this hell in a cell match, I guess. <laughs> so I had like a theater of 20 people, primarily comedy people, not wrestling fans that like were so on board for this match. Like, it's like they came in, you know, as like, you know, like ironic comedians, but they left being like, oh, that was like real as shit and cool as hell. And I'm like, yeah, that's why pro wrestling is great. There yeah. So, yeah, I would say that's probably all time. But there's so many like great matches specifically coming out of like NJPW and AEW, like the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros in a cage a couple months ago at All Out was like probably one of the best tag team cage matches of all time. Like uh, Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson at Arthur Ashe Stadium two weeks ago was like probably one of the best TV matches of all time. Like wow, we're definitely cool. in like a golden age of cool wrestling oh, awesome. right now, as yeah. far as non WWE stuff goes. That's great. What is something you think is underrated? Something I think is underrated. I'm going to say I'm a really big Garfield stan. I love Garfield a lot, but I'm going to say that Garfield's nemesis Heathcliff is underrated. I think mm. Heathcliff comics, Heathcliff, the other orange cat who actually predates Garfield by a few months, People often think that Heathcliff is a Garfield clone, but really Garfield is kind of a Heathcliff clone. 
But um, what I love about Heathcliff comics in the modern day is they're just batshit crazy with no punchlines. It's yeah. like the most Dadaized <laughs> comedy I have ever seen in my life. Like they introduced a character called the Garbage Ape, who's just an ape who loves garbage, I guess. And there aren't <laughs> jokes. It's just the entire comic will be like the garbage ape walking down the street, you know, f- f- carrying trash cans, while below it, it says... The garbage ape is here, and that's the whole comic. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, as somebody who likes batshit chaos in my comedy, Heathcliff comics. <laughs> Heathcliff's delivering, huh? Heathcliff's fucking mainlining me the fucking perfect shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking. I just Googled Heathcliff comics, and the second one is Heathcliff descending on a sort of hang glider toward a store that says meat on it, and it's uh, two butchers outside looking at him and saying he's got a serious meat tooth. <laughs> wow. And he's also it. he's also probably wearing a helmet that says meat on it, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, he's not, but that I that was going to be my one punch up for uh yeah, he should Check out his meat head. Yeah, <laughs> that is something another like fun and weird thing is like Heathcliff wears helmets that like have words on them, but you can't really parse the logic of like whether he likes the thing with a on it or not. It's like He'll be walking to a meat store with a helmet that says meat on it, or he'll be like drinking Kool-Aid wearing a helmet that says Kool-Aid or something. And it's just yeah. like, what? I don't understand what's happening or why any of this is. So then it was like Heathcliff is pushing two tiny robots on a swing set. And the quote says, he's great with robot children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's what the fuck is. <laughs> sure. Like, <laughs> There's one like with garbage ape in a tank and it just says like the garbage ape got a tank today or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a good garbage ape. Cats rejoice at the garbage apes approach. <laughs> yeah, there's like the the kind of voice that it's written in changes like that one. Cats rejoice at the garbage apes approach. And it's just an ape holding two garbage cans as cats dance around like that's kind of biblical. Mm hmm. This sure. one, this one's, <laughs> I, I think it's actually a direct uh, quote from the Bible. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this one has Heathcliff pushing a wheelbarrow full of uh, dazed dogs and a dog catcher is saying, he often borrows my wheelbarrow and such. <laughs> Which, the and such is such a, <laughs> like a, that, that one up. seems like it's been, uh, the, the person fell asleep halfway through writing it or was falling asleep. Uh, he often borrows my wheelbarrow and such and such and shit <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, here's I'm sending you one that's um, garbage ape pouring lemonade to a line of cats. It says on the front of his booth, ape aid. And then um, the text is just courtesy of the garbage ape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Heathcliff. How did you not have more staying power than Garfield? I watched a lot of uh, Heathcliff growing up. I think more Heathcliff than Garfield when I was a kid. Yeah, I did too. Mainly blown away by his ability to skeletonize a fish just with his mouth. Just like pull that pull that yep. bad boy out. That's actually a, a bit that I'm thinking about doing. I did a bit in November where I was pretty... I had like 8,000 Twitter followers and I really wanted to hit 10,000. So I posted on Twitter like, 
oh, if I get 10,000 Twitter followers by the end of the year, I'll film myself eating lasagna like Garfield. Like, just taking a tray of lasagna and just throwing it into my mouth. I got it. thought it was going to take a couple months. It took, like, four hours or something like that. So I had to make that video. I covered my kitchen in a tarp to do it. And I'm like, oh, like, imitating comic characters to get Twitter followers. Maybe I should say that I'm going to, like eat a fish like Heathcliff. <laughs> yeah. Which we're yeah, all like really try to, to put that. it in my mouth and debone it. But I'm not gonna like treat the fish. So it's just gonna be a video of me trying to put a full hish head fed my head in my mouth and then coughing a lot. <laughs> and then maybe puking. <laughs> yeah. Uh or you just do one, you just make it look like those like those videos you see on Reddit where it's like uh, my first day skateboarding and then my thousandth day skateboarding where you just see like this progression with these like, ah, ah, and then the last one just clean clean Beep. yeah i feel like the last one's just gonna be like a shot of my tombstone and r.i.p <laughs> joey cliff he died yeah. doing what he loved imitating a cartoon cat <laughs> Do, doing what he loved which i think was just choking on fish heads <laughs> that's what he did the yeah, last couple years of his life yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, we, as we all know, tombstones always have the cause of death listed on the tombstone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I figure, go for it. You know, yeah, just to just yeah. to get a get every every passerby a bit of uh, yeah, just a little bit of context fun. of like how yeah. how it all how the magic happened. Way magic, more I mean, interesting. My death. <laughs> Way more interesting than what we actually go with, which is like everybody is a beloved like son oh, or father. Yeah. Like the fuck out of here. Tell us how they died. <laughs> no, right, I want yeah. it to be like Joey Clift date of birth date of death he got ate by an alligator <laughs> right right, right. right yeah. miles gray absolutely wrecked by a dump truck <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah just so people get like even more just like not tragic dump truck like absolutely <laughs> yeah, wrecked like got tore up by that yeah. dump truck yo. <laughs> don't even know what's in that coffin it was so bad <laughs> and then the question and then, like my question walking past that would be like so did he get hit by it or did he get like ground up did he get like dumped into it and crushed into a cube yeah hey, man, you got wrecked that's yeah, up yeah. to you to envision you know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it's got like a, a an etching on the tombstone of you getting plowed by a dump truck <laughs> but it's like a funny cartoon version of you with yeah. x's over your eyes <laughs> yeah. and, and then an my oof. soul going up my <laughs> bubble hell yeah yeah <laughs> playing a harp <laughs> uh, all right let's take a quick break and we'll be right back And we're back. And so we've seen an increased enthusiasm from, you know, municipalities, healthcare systems to ensure that people comply with vaccine mandates. In New York, there have been many stories of healthcare workers like trying to unite as anti-vaxxers against these mandates and hoping that, you know, staffing shortage would prevent them from being terminated. And this is the one time that I am team fuck <laughs> fuck the uh, unionization of of these employees because they they fucked around and found out. Yeah, I, I, you know I think they're finding out that a hospital is in fact a workplace where the medical profession is respected and the centuries of research that uh, their entire field rests upon they acknowledge, and you know and also trying to keep patients and workers safe and so. The Northwell Health System, they said 1,400 employees who refused to be vaccinated, they were fired. And the system, they're, they're, this healthcare system is like on Long Island. And they said it's 
like more than 74,000 people are employed there. So 98% of the employees were like, yeah, yeah, okay, I, 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 I will be vaccinated. But, you know, I, I think this also, the, the, the other part of it is they're saying like, look, you're fired. But if you get your shit together and get vaccinated so you're not, you know, an infection vector within a hospital building, then you're more than welcome to reapply for a position. And, you know, a lot of activists or I'll say active, obviously use air quotes because I'm not mm-hmm. sure what exactly. We call them they're... true American heroes. True American <laughs> patriots. <laughs> yeah, taps, a lot of patriots, if you will. Yeah. Because it'll be taps playing at their funeral. They choose to focus very narrowly like on the fact that they're just being made to do something that I should have a choice in. When the fact is we're still living in a pandemic. People are still continuing to die needlessly. And being vaccinated helps us reduce the transmission of the virus and keeps people and vulnerable people safe like young kids. And I just bring that up because I just read this story that this family in Virginia, their 10 year old daughter passed away from COVID complications. She went from having a headache to passing away in five days. And then they she got a positive test like posthumously. They like the result came in. They're like, oh, it was COVID uh, complications. They found like the one of the mothers was saying that her 10-year-old daughter was being made to be like the covid like nurse for this the, the class so if a kid was sick they would she this little girl would walk them to the nurse's office or if they had to like they needed their books because like they were too sick to be at school like this little girl was then bringing them the books now this is just being you know this is this is what the parents are saying happened and they're investigating it still but still just shows you how vulnerable people are, whether she got it there or another place. It's just so clear. We're not doing every possible thing we can to keep people safe and also making it easy for people to do what is safe because we're still caught in this thing of like, get back to work or, you know, the pandemic is over selectively. Yeah. um, uh, A few things on that. Something that's so interesting to me about like the, the common thought for a lot of anti-vaxxers is we don't know what's in the vaccine, which yes, we do. And also mm-hmm. tell me what's in Mike's hard lemonade. Like, yeah, you know, if you're tell like, me what's in every single thing you eat today. Yeah, 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 totally. It's like, I feel like there's a level of like unearned suspicion about something that like maybe shouldn't exist. And we're seeing like the consequences of that. If yeah, like 10 year olds getting and getting COVID and dying of it, that's nuts. And like there is such this weird focus on like, you know, 1400 people getting fired over not getting vaccinated, whereas we're not focusing on the 94 percent of people at that hospital that did get vaccinated. You know, like it's uh, it is just this weird. I don't know. It's like looking for talking points and looking for facts that like that boost up your opinion on the thing with while ignoring the wide swath of facts that are in the opposite direction, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the don't I got rights vacation of America, to quote the Rocky scene that Miles yeah. is a fan of. Where... Hey, don't, hey, don't I got rights? <laughs> uh, sorry, in what context, sir, are you talking about? He's just lost a just hearing don't I got him? from a boxing committee where they were, like, talking about the medical, his, his like, health and the medical implications still? of him boxing again as, like, a 70-year-old. And then he turns around and says, don't I got rights, which suggests an understanding of rights as I have the right to do whatever I want, whenever I want. Irrespective of, happens. Yeah, exactly. And that, that seems to be the, what the it's overall. Like, 
Yeah, I guess that you, there's nothing stopping you from like walking into the middle of the street, ignoring a crosswalk. But if you get like your shit wrecked by a dump truck, mm-hmm. RIP right. Miles, RIP, RIP, then cue like, music. But you should yeah, have seen you know, that shit. It was so cool. It was looking sick. Yeah, fucking it was so sick. I can even admit it, bro. You should have seen that shit. That's me in heaven. Yeah, oh, yeah. dude, oh, that was fucking, fucking wrecked. <laughs> that's that's what it says on the tombstone. Is he got wrecked by a dump truck? Dot dot dot. It was sick as shit. <laughs> sick as shit. You should have seen that shit, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's it is. Yeah, I don't know. It is. It is. Uh, like I saw, I, I heard a fact or a, like kind of a, a thought on Twitter that like if we maintain our current vaccine rates, we will still be in a pandemic in or still be at the same level that we're at of lockdown until like 2025. And like, that's nuts. That's like a good chunk yeah. of our lives to be like locked down in a pandemic. And it's because so many people are not willing to get vaccinated or wear masks or do like any safety precautions on this like massive global pandemic that we're in. And yeah, you know, I'm glad that hospitals are mandating people who work at hospitals to get vaccinated because like, I don't want to catch COVID from a nurse if I come in with like a sprained toe or something, you know? Right. right. Yeah. Cause then like, Hey, have you, <laughs> you want to follow my TikTok kid? <laughs> Got some <laughs> and cool like, stuff on there. And I'm like, yes, I do. Also wear a mask. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Right here. So, Follow me first, and then I'll put the mask on. Show me on your phone. No, no, no. Got to be at the same time. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Gentlemen's <laughs> agreement. Okay. But it's literally like arguing that you have the right to drive drunk. Like it's, you no, know, yeah. you're putting think... other people's lives in danger. You're putting your own life in danger. And, and even though that's the thing you want to do, it doesn't give you the right to do that. Well, yeah. It's like at a certain point, like, I mean, this is like so much of the conversation, right? It's like. Some people are like, I have rights to do whatever I want, whatever we live in society, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like, which one you do not, you do not have the right to do whatever you want. That is not uh, what's written in the constitution. And two, it's like, oh, we like, like we, we have to live together in a society. Like we all Mm -hmm. live in cities together. We all live in communities together. And like, if you drive around drunk, that affects other people, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Right. And it's like, well, then you might want to move to a society where no one gives a fuck about anyone else. That might be the one you're more interested in, because it's almost like they're trying to navigate within. Well, a majority of people are doing the right thing. And so I'm using that to give myself like the basis to be, well, it's probably not that bad. A lot of other people are safe, but this is what I want to do very narrowly. So this is my version of feeling free. Don't be bullied into not drunk driving, okay? Don't be bullied. Don't let the thought bullies, uh, you know, do your own <laughs> research. Right. Yeah, do yeah. your research. On, on Facebook, which, speaking of, uh, Francis Haugen, which is how German people say Hulk Hogan, last name, um, wow. has, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't sure. know, man. You know what? <laughs> Keep it. <laughs> Keep it. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> Come on now. Francis Haugen has now testified in front of Congress in like words that it seems like they might be able to understand uh, mm-hmm. based on their response. Yeah. I mean, because I think this one for a lot of people, it feels like this could be a slightly different moment as it relates to Facebook and talking Facebook on Capitol Hill. Because typically when the Senate hauls Facebook up to the Hill for some just good old splaining. It's usually some very slick representative or a lawyer 
or like an alien form of Mark Zuckerberg, like doing the talking and people that are like, these are all people that are like well-versed in obscuring like the sins of Facebook, like through their like rhetorical mastery and just being like, well, you know, I'd, I think I'd have to get back to you. But actually, the way this product is, designed, you know, it's all this just it's it's just a lot of sidestepping when hard questions are being asked. But, well, but, but yeah, I mean, and they're also explaining like they're also doing this like sick explanation that's like explanation to like octogenarians who don't know what computers are. So like no. that's part of it, too, you know? Yeah. Oh, a huge part. So they're, it's just very easy for them to go by because they'll be like, what's Finsta? And they're yeah. like, that's not us, sir. You're confused, old man. Here's your applesauce. And I think uh, your tapioca is getting warm. It's like, oh, thank you. And they've just completely sidestepped a question. Well, Haugen has come out here and just letting these dinosaurs know very straightforward and very plain words from the beginning. So this is Haugen just coming to the, the senators, being very direct, straightforward, and letting them know, hey, you know, um, there, there's, there's actual, let, let me just, say this in normal sentences, what is happening at Facebook. During my time at Facebook, I came to realize a devastating truth. Almost no one outside of Facebook knows what happens inside of Facebook. The company intentionally hides vital information from the public, from the U.S. government, and from governments around the world. The documents I have provided to Congress prove that Facebook has repeatedly misled the public about what its own research reveals about the safety of children, the efficacy of its artificial intelligence systems and its role in spreading divisive and extreme messages. So that's that's that seems like an easy follow. Mm. Just yeah, you've, you're you're blowing the whistle. You're saying everything you thought you knew, you act in fact do not know because there is a policy there to keep as many people in the dark as possible. And right. that was sort of one of her first statements. And people were like, okay. Well, hmm. well, what else is going on? What 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 else can you can you tell us uh, is happening? Uh, and, you know, I think she she stresses the same thing about this whole profits over people thing, which we've seen constantly over and over again, which is that when push comes to shove, they will choose whatever they have to do to make money. That's it. That's all that that's all that this company is going to do. And again, just so for the for the elders in the back. In case you were understand, like, let me just say, it's not just algorithms or things like that. This is the choices. These are the choices that are being made in, at Facebook. During my time at Facebook, first working as the lead product manager for civic misinformation and later on counterespionage, I saw Facebook repeatedly encounter conflicts between its own profits and our safety. Facebook consistently resolved these conflicts in favor of its own profits. The result has been more division, more harm, more lies, more threats, and more combat. In some cases, this, this dangerous online talk has led to actual violence that harms and even kills people. Yeah. Surprises? No. When it's, it's not just, uh, like, I mean, like, in the industry that we work in, like, we've experienced Facebook just, you know, presumably just flat out lying about stuff in a way that, like, just destroys entire industries. Like, yeah. uh, like a lot of us worked in work or worked in like kind of di the digital comedy space, you know, writing for, you know, comedy websites who, uh, you know, when Facebook started allowing videos on their platform, they like goosed the numbers on all of their videos. So all of a sudden you'd see somebody post a video from their kid's birthday party and then it would look like it had like 5 million views or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then every comedy website was just like, oh, pivot to video only on Facebook. And then that turned out to be like just a horrible idea because Facebook just, you know, kind of 
tweaked they're those like, numbers. If you scroll yeah. past it, it's a view. You're like, yeah. no, it isn't. Yeah, Although, yeah. At yeah. my time, at certain companies, the the like the the people who are running departments are like, we love it. Just just because even if they don't watch, it says down there it was viewed three million times, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, and that's something that like is it's you know a big reason that like online sketch comedy is just not a thing anymore is like because Facebook convinced all these places to pivot to video. They hired huge video teams, and this caused like too much overhead, which caused them to have to like shut down and lay off all of their staffs because it turns out that like Facebook was goosing those numbers in the companies were seeing no profit from these huge video teams that they were starting. So, yeah, yeah, you know, if they'll like uh, do, you know, if they'll work in such a way that's self-serving for that, then, yeah, for sure. I'm sure Facebook like, you know, uh, gooses things in other areas, as this whistleblower definitely pointed out, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, she's calling for, uh, I think, like most people, like transparency, like regulation, oversight, because a real popular defense that Facebook, you know, will deploy a lot of times, like. You know, we don't really need any like regulation because we're not like like this is not like an infrastructure people are using. Like it's yeah. really like a platform we're just cool. that people we're trying come to on. start our own, trying to start a new world. Everybody, yeah. it's cool shit. You know, it's not infrastructure, but you know, when all their whole shit went down for five hours on Monday, that certainly blew that argument up because it became really clear. Because many people were like suddenly unable to communicate with people over WhatsApp internationally, like many people do use WhatsApp for, or even like a lot of people who maybe do they're like run a small business on Instagram, suddenly like I'm losing out on my livelihood because this thing went down. I don't know what's going on. I think a lot of people begin to say like that is providing a lot of robust infrastructure for people to communicate or create a livelihood. So what it's still just this casual thing. My version of that, which I would say is equal in levels of stress and importance, is I have a pro wrestling group chat on Facebook <laughs> and Facebook uh, shut down. I had to be like, OK, what's everybody's phone numbers? Let's put everybody on a cell phone <laughs> chat. So we had to like migrate the pro wrestling group chat to text message for five hours just so we could like talk about those sweet wrestling news and rumors uh, without like losing that infrastructure. So like, but, it, but that is a real thing that is like just Facebook messenger Instagram messenger and all that are like ways that businesses communicate at this point. And like, yeah, or just using shops through Instagram. Like if you're just being like, Hey, here's my bespoke, whatever wares I'm, you know, creating that Facebook's a great place for people or Instagram and Facebook has been a place where people have been able to like, I'm actually making my living uh, using this stuff. When I was working in the online comedy space, like there there was a slow but steady kind of change from things you would get a lot of traffic from Facebook. And then like they would start like kind of squeezing it down and squeezing it down. And then like I went to a symposium like put on by Facebook. You had to just like focus on Facebook because that's where so much of the traffic was coming from. And like the people we're like, yeah, industry-wide uh, page placement is really the only thing that's working. And it was just like a given all of a sudden that like you just had to pay to get to distribute your content on on Facebook. So that's like another way that they just like took out any small right. content creator. Yeah, it, it's like if you have a Facebook page with a million followers and you post a video to it, usually like pre this it would show up in the news feeds of all million of your followers. Yeah. Then Facebook started doing kind of like this thing where, oh, it would only go to like 10% of your followers. 
And then based on like how it does in analytics, then they would slowly parse it out to like the other million. Or yeah. you could give Facebook $100 and they would immediately put it out to all million people. Yeah. yeah and exactly. a bunch of people you don't even know. Yeah. How right. about that? And so give that, me a hundred bucks. But that's, you know, you are either paying them a shitload of money or, you know, doing like a fucking rain dance, like to hope that the Facebook gods smile on you that day and like tweak the algorithm in a way that makes it like a little bit fair to the little guy. But all of that to say that all publishers are still presumably like non-podcast publishers, I guess, are still presumably very focused on like what Facebook's preferences are. Yeah. And I feel like that has to influence like what we see. Like the the this story, Miles, that you put in here, like just made me wonder about the Finsta thing, which was like in in and of itself like inherently funny. But the the fact that that went as viral as it did and was sort of the thing that overshadowed or like that was like the main takeaway from that day of testimony was the senator being like, what's a Finsta? Can you not do any more Finstas? Like, I I have to feel like that people saw that that was getting a great response on Facebook and that Facebook kind of encouraged that along because why the fuck wouldn't they? Sure. But I think also, I mean, if you're looking at very cynically how we would at the Senate, it's just like even organically, I would look at that and go, this is the fucking problem for sure. Um, He's supposed to haul these people up here for answers. And he's just getting like he's wasting his breath getting explained like a thing that isn't necessarily as consequential than the purpose of the hearing. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, but yes, that it. I think like they say, she goes on to say. We all live in a world that is being affected by Facebook, whether you are on there or not. There's many people that are. So, yeah, to that point, I'm I'm sure there's there's an element to that. I just want to say a quick side note on Jack saying the term rain dance. I was like, it's like 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 I'm a native person and I've like heard that phrase a lot. But I was like, wait. What did tribes really do that? Or is that just a thing that people say that tribes yeah. did? And I just Googled it. And I just want to say shout out to the Zuni tribe of the Southwest. They uh, they did rain dances. Uh, it's okay. not not totally a thing that people just made up that native folks don't actually do. The Zuni tribe does it. So uh, okay. shout out to the Zunis. Yeah, there you go. A teaching moment. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that was a teaching yeah. moment for me, too, because I was just like, wait, I've only seen the stereotype of that. But is that a real thing? You know, right, right, right. right. Yeah. The the other part of this that was very interesting was suddenly Richard Blumenthal, the famous man behind the Finsta comment, his energy was a lot different, too, mm. which I found to be, again, like things feel a little bit different about this hearing, because now I think <laughs> I'm sure Richard Blumenthal has read up now on everything Facebook. Also, after it looks that like he put thing. a little color sure. in his hair. But a little sure. bit, just to look a little bit. I mean, he's always, it's always been that you know, form of denying I'm aging brown. I, I think um, the uh, the reason for his fire is that he has a Facebook page and he <laughs> Facebook shut down and he was just like, no, my Heathcliff memes. Right. <laughs> he's like, they love ape. He was just <laughs> like, no, he ape. was just like, there was five hours where he couldn't read a garbage ape and he, and he was panicking. <laughs> So yeah, his like, like his staffers shit. were having to like make ones on paper. <laughs> yeah, what about this just one, like, Senator? And it's huh. like, oh no, this has a logical punchline. That's not yeah. what garbage ape would have. Yeah. <laughs> Heathcliff's tooth is on the other side, you yeah. ignoramus. Heathcliff, Heathcliff is wearing a, a helmet that has a word on it that you can track the logic of. Get <laughs> out of here. Right. So this is him saying he coming with some way different energy rather than what's Finsta? He's like, 
Mark, get over here. Mark Zuckerberg ought to be looking at himself in the mirror today. And yet, rather than taking responsibility and showing leadership, Mr. Zuckerberg is going sailing. His Ooh. new modus operandi, no apologies, no admission, no action, nothing to see here. Mark Zuckerberg, you need to come before this committee. You need to explain to Francis Haugen, to us, to the world, and to the parents of America what you were doing and why you did it. Hmm. So this is only about seven years too late. <laughs> but that's right. cool. But to that point, as you know, I'm not going to give Blumenthal, I'm not going to just start standing up applauding him because there's, they they're they're able to do things up there, and Amy Klobuchar, she's also like, let me also let me also come in with a take onto why there's been this glacial pace in terms of us being able to regulate or have oversight over things like Facebook. We have done nothing when it comes to making the algorithms more transparent, allowing for the university research that you referred to. Why? Because. Facebook and the other tech companies are throwing a bunch of money around this town and people are listening to them. We have done nothing significantly past, although we are on a bipartisan basis working in the antitrust subcommittee to get something done on consolidation, mm -hmm. which you understand mm -hmm. allows the dominant platforms um, to control all this, like the bullies in the neighborhood, buy out the companies that maybe could have competed with them and added the bells and whistles. So, yeah, it's. There's so many elements to this. You got the lobbying parts of this where they're like, they've bought people's votes. So that's an element of it. And we're trying to do something, but I I don't know. This this I feel like at this point her words, Francis Haugen's words were just so direct and just powerful, like to these people that maybe this this will inspire something and different. There's also like these tech companies are getting so big. This is a story from twenty eighteen, but like Facebook and Amazon are building their own towns for their employees to live in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, there is just this weird level of like, yeah, we need to have some level of oversight on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the hits. Friendster, yeah. get the, get the person who runs Friendster in here and yeah. let's yell there, at him. There are a lot of memes about like the other platforms. They kind of be like, well, just yeah. fading to the back, being like, I don't know. Like, yeah, Facebook, huh? They get it together over there. Right, Cause, right. Because, you know, right. they're able to like get rid of things like, like obscene, like child pornography. They're very yeah. quickly able to like, you know, get things like that off of the internet. And then I think that's why a lot of people are then like, but for whatever, but white supremacy is just too lucrative. So that's why you want to just turn the other way. Because Haugen also said too that. Prior to the election, they like ramped up a lot of the controls to help curb a lot of misinformation and, and just any just chaos around the election because they didn't want a replay of 2016 or, or maybe they did, but just to a lesser extent. But they said once the election happened, they fucking they took all those controls off, which really helped all the big lie misinformation really get a ton of interaction on Facebook because Facebook was trying to recoup the money they lost from doing the slightly responsible thing before the election when it's also like the way that companies like facebook profit are things called like it's engagement likes mm -hmm. comments shares whatever so like if you get into a facebook argument with like somebody you went to high school with 
who like doesn't think that vaccines are real or whatever, like that's like Facebook wants that. And like, there's also things that they can do with the algorithm to steer you in that direction of like seeing things that they know that you'll disagree with and comment on. So you'll start those Facebook right. arguments, arguments, which will increase the engagement on the piece or whatever. And like, it is just this power that these companies have over like, you know, like how we communicate as people. And yeah, it sure would be cool if somebody who didn't have profit in mind was like, quit it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you'd hope that like they would have people like Haugen help Congress understand what they can do and what they could do rather than like Richard Blumenthal asking his like granddaughter. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, what what should happen? That's why it's important to have people like AOC in Congress who are like, in their 30s, you know, people who right. like have Instagram accounts and understand what this stuff is, right. you know? Yeah. Rather than someone who's like, I don't know, my staffer said I need one of these things. I yeah, guess. yeah. So I have that and I have a TikTok, but I don't know what it is. I just yeah, I have like, to have them. Like they have an email that their staffers check for them, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. They, yeah, that's a really good point about the, and like they put input these benevolent seeming values into the or not even benevolent, but just harmless seeming values like engagement into the uh, algorithm. And then that ends up leading to these outcomes that they can claim are unintentional. They're they're not putting like angry up the Facebook community uh, like, into uh, the algorithm, but it's just engagement. But that the outcome of that, which may be unintended, but they're not doing anything to fix it. Like is that they just can't be trusted to ever do anything to fix it on their own. It's well, yeah. the only way it can be done is regulation. Right. And society is just all saying like, well, make as much money as you can, however you can. Um, like yeah. people be damned. I got to say one of my favorite Facebook interactions to watch was a guy I went to high school with. This was probably, I want to say two years ago challenged another guy to a fist fight over facebook and like they were on the facebook wall post which i forget what it was about it was probably just like the burners are bad or whatever you know jay buner was a hack yeah yeah, yeah, (laughs) something like that but it was like watching them try to plan having a fist fight with each other on a facebook (laughs) wall was delight because it was just like like, what time do you get off work? I got off work at 6 p.m. Let's meet in this park. No, I actually, I'm busy tonight. Let's do it. Yo, you're trying to duck this fight, bro. <laughs> no, I no, I told you. I just have my daughters on, on Fridays and Saturdays. And I yeah. uh, was yeah. watching two, two grown men in their 30s trying to plan yeah. a fist fight publicly over Facebook ruled. <laughs> How are Thursdays like, for you, bitch? Yeah, yeah. It, was like a lot of, it was like a lot of that. It was like the minutia of like, I can't do it during my lunch break. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then like, I'm in oh. sales. If I come back all scraped up, I might lose my job. I'm not going to risk that, you idiot. Yeah. So actually, on second thought, now that I'm thinking about that, let's leave Facebook unregulated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one quick aside on the uh, company towns thing, Joey, that you just mentioned. So last week we talked about Amazon doing these company towns for sort of the laborers that make their business model possible but i think you were referring to these facebook and google company towns that are more for like the executive class that they're building that are going to be these you know elysium style like really beautiful you know the way the google campus was held up as like the best place to work because you had all these fucking 
chefs and Amenities ball pits and, and slides. Yeah. Like they're building these company towns that are like the next step in luxury and like, you know, communal living. But really, they're just going to be these hives of like groupthink where which is really dangerous because these companies are, you know, controlling our country from the top down, like in really profound ways. And so like, you know, the more you just get the like minded people at the top who have all the power just in their own, like, like literally literal bubble, the I feel like the worse it's going to get. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about Starbucks cups. And we're back. And, you know, the the market, this is actually a story that I noticed like five years ago that Starbucks collectible cups are a thing because I was at a Starbucks and I think I, I don't know why I was even looking at the collectible cups, but they were adamantly saying only one per customer like you could only right. buy one per customer and i was like wait what is what is happening oh, yeah. who is I, like, like it's, sweeping these into a duffel bag and it's funny in like all right it's, you say five years ago i remember about five years ago was around the time too and i would travel a lot for one of my jobs one of my coworkers would be like like whatever city i was in like hey can you grab me like the cup um when you're there and i'm like what like, I don't, I only have carry on. I don't want to put like a fucking, like what? And they were like, please, like, I'll give you all this money to do it. And I was please, like, cause yeah. I just really want them from please, Boston. I need I need the, they're like, I need the Boston one. And I was like, okay, right. I'll bring it back. And they were so fucking grateful. They're like, you don't understand how hard this shit is to get blah, 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 blah. So I was like, okay, so I see this is, this is like sneakers for white women. Yeah, um, this is the Starbucks is supreme cup. drops for people in their 40s. Got it. <laughs> yeah. And like I look and I like collectible shit. I I'm definitely I have a soft spot for nostalgia and things that are like commemorative for especially with things that as it relates to, you know, my childhood or adult interests. And, you know, and I've even paid reseller prices for something like a sneaker or a vintage jersey or something like that. But it takes me a long time to resolve to do that because I just hate the I just hate what reselling has done just to sneakers. And I've seen that evolution of it being like, hey, you go to a store to buy the thing you like and then you have it versus someone's going to buy everything and then just fucking put your back to the wall and be like, how much will you pay for this? <laughs> yeah. Ten thousand dollars for Nikes. Is that yeah, what like, you want? And I'm like, God, I I don't and I can't. <laughs> so I will wear these Crocs Tevas instead. But last month, uh, Starbucks started pulling out their new 2021 Halloween collection. And I guess every fall they have new limited edition uh, seasonal merchandise, which like this year has like a glow in the dark spider web uh, and, and oh, like mugs shit. with a I'd stab. I'd stab. <laughs> Wait, how Hell many people yeah. would you stab for that glow in the dark spider Finally. Web? Would you would you stab five people, four people? How many people oh, are we talking? I mean, no, to honor my arachnid friends, eight people. Hell you know yeah. Some of these people have come through. The reseller game is just out of control. People come in, buy out all the stock, and then they resell them online at markups. These cups go for around t- between twenty and forty dollars. They're selling them for like two to three hundred dollars. Some people are selling like, the whole set for like eleven hundred dollars. And it's just interesting to watch this because, like, well, there's this uh, article that sort of 
like taps into like the Reddit community to see what they're saying. And their complaints sound exactly like what sneakerheads sounded like 10 years ago of like, what the fuck is going on? Like, like, you're not going to drink out of this. You're just going to put it on a mantle. (laughs) Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. Like where people like, wear your sneakers. You're not going to drink out of that shoe. That's (laughs) the forms I'm in. (laughs) Nice try. (laughs) Let me see you drink out of it before. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying, this is one person on Reddit quote, I'm from the Bay Area and every store here is wiped out and has been for the past week. I found one for a decent price online and made the person an offer. A couple minutes later, they reject my offer and double the price. It's yeah. impossible to get any cups for these launches unless you pay two to four times yeah. the price. I went to a Starbucks and ordered a hot chocolate and they didn't have any cups. So they just poured it into my hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't even claim they burned it. It was very lukewarm. Yeah, it was. The, quite, the, yeah, yeah. The temperature soothing. was fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, I wonder how much us being, you know, stuck in our homes is is uh, furthering people as far as that stuff goes. Because I feel like there's a similar thing going on in like card collecting right now where like, wasn't there a story over the summer or like it was a thing over the summer of like people showing up at Target's like the second that they open on like a Thursday morning because that's when the new Pokemon card drop is or something like that. And people getting into like fist fights over like boxes of like football cards or whatever, you know? Like I think it, it might be one of those things where like, because, you know, like a lot of our social interactions are kind of like lessened right now. It's like one thing that we do have we can look forward to is like these Starbucks cups or Pokemon cards or sneakers or whatever. So we're like really hyper focusing on them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think this it'll this will always kind of be, you know, a phenomenon because I mean, like, especially with card collecting, it seems like, too, there's like older millennials grew up collecting trading cards as kids and then kind of fell out of it now have more disposable income and right. are now spending money to do these things that they really liked as kids the pokemon stuff i just see it like how any reseller looks at things they look at something that people want most people don't care it's just they they know that the economics of it is such that if i buy a lot of these i can really turn a profit by just being just quicker to the drop than other people and you know, the manufacturers know what they're doing because it's like Starbucks is doing the exact, exact thing like Nike or Adidas does, which is like create false scarcity to create so much hype around every single drop that it'll, they'll just fly off the shelf and you'll never have excess inventory, raise the profile of the next drop because I doubt that they they care at all to be like, wow, I guess we should increase stock next year so people can, everyone can enjoy the spider web cup. Right. No. They <laughs> no. like this. You're Keep fired. I'm, a, I'm right. a Starbucks exec. You're fired for suggesting that. <laughs> oh. The oh. point is to create the first line outside of a Starbucks since the early 90s. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they should just have baristas do what some sneaker shops will do, like to prevent resellers. They'll be like, put them on right now. Right. They're like, if you buy them, you have to rock them yeah. out of the store. You have to wear so not- you have to you have to wear this Brooklyn Starbucks cup on your feet out of the store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just then be like, yo, you got to drink a hot-ass drink out of it right now. It's not yeah. dead yeah. stock anymore. Take the tag yeah. off, fool. You, you better look like you're enjoying that drink, too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, just like how there's sneakerhead purists, like the Starbucks cups purists, they're, like, hating on them in line. They're like, look at this reseller-ass fool trying to get <laughs> Yeah, somebody going in and being like, 700 Boston Starbucks cups, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, okay, sure, why not? <laughs> I do wonder if hoarding type like symptoms are getting worse during the during the pandemic. And like, you know, I, I do feel like 
agoraphobia, like my own, like just fear of like people and social anxiety has gotten like way worse just by not being around people in person. I do. I do wonder if like that is another symptom of it that, um, yeah. that we might be seeing. Yeah. I want to say for the record, uh, Jack has 5,000 Starbucks cups stacked up behind him right yeah, now. Precariously, on his precariously stacked. Right precariously out. stacked. So this is a, but, this is an intervention. We know this is about you. One of each, uh, one of each though. So don't, you know, I'm not, hey, I got, you're these, not reselling these. these are special. Hey, I got doubles of the Boston. I got doubles <laughs> of the New York city. Actually, right. I got triples. I got yo, triples of that. Yo, LA. I'll give you 500 bucks for that Boston double. <laughs> I mean, Right. I, and all that has to be true or else nothing else I said is true. <laughs> <laughs> Reference that. I think you should leave sketch. <laughs> Joey, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> it's been a pleasure having you as always. Uh, where can people find you and follow you? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, yeah, this was super fun. I'll always love being on the Daily Zeit, guys. You can follow me on Twitter at Joey Tainment. You can follow me on Instagram at Joey Clift with like five or six eyes. The reason for that is a 12-year-old took Joey Clift with one eye. So I just got a <laughs> deal. And then um, I'm here. I got a, got a shout out. I'm here to, to promote. Um, I just released a new animated short with Comedy Central. I talked about it a little bit at the top of the show. It's called How to Cope with Your Team Changing Its Native American Mascot. It's a comedy PSA about sports teams who just changed their weird native mascots, like, you know, the Cleveland Indians, Washington football team, and uh, right. like thousands of others. I wrote yeah. it, directed it, and starred in it. It's also featuring voices from Janice Schmeeding and Tyler Claire from Rutherford Falls and John Timothy from Spirit Rangers. So it's got an all native voice cast too. And that's like dope as shit. So yeah, you can yeah, check it out awesome. on. All of Comedy Central's social media platforms. Follow me on Twitter. I'm posting it about a ton. But yeah, watch it. It's a super funny video. Awesome, man. Necessary viewing, I'm sure. I wonder how many people will watch it. And is it, it is it it's shot like a PSA? It's like a, it's like a comedy short. It's like an animated okay. short. Yeah. I just right. there's always like that room where there's some person who thinks it's real. Right. You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You think there's potential for that? Some elderly person in Cleveland to be like. This Judging by real. some of the comments, I think a lot of people are in this. <laughs> <laughs> you love to see it. Yeah. Uh, is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? So I would say my favorite tweet right now is a tweet that I just saw this morning from a super funny native comedian named Caitlin Jeffers. And the tweet, I think it like she literally tweeted it this morning, is... My favorite new ethnic stereotype is that I'm somehow involved with reservation dogs <laughs> and uh, reservation dogs. Super funny native TV so show good. or native created TV show on effects created by Sterling Harjo. It's got an all native writers room. But I saw that and it's like, yeah, the amount of friends who have like texted me congratulations about reservation dogs oh is like hilarious <laughs> and like maybe a little racist because it's like I do not work on that show. I have not worked on that show. I'm friends with a lot of people that work on that show. They're all great. The show's really good. You should check it out. Yeah. But it's just like every native person you know in Hollywood doesn't work on reservation dogs. Right. <laughs> it's that, or they're like, you're watching that, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And the answer That's is like, are, yeah, that, the like answer, yes, yes, I'm watching it because yeah. it's real good. But also, <laughs> it like, is it's good. weird to assume that. <laughs> Don't just come at me with that. Like, yeah, I haven't yeah, talked yeah. to you in years. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Reservation dogs, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. That's like when that anime yasuke came out about the black samurai and people were like dude did you work on this <laughs> or like have you seen him like mm -mm, okay. yeah i mean it, it's thank you for knowing i'm black and japanese but no i did not work on the anime yasuke. yeah it is this this weird thing where like um shortly after the election the election results came in and i think the navajo and apache reservations in arizona voted like 95 percent for biden or 90 percent for, for biden or whatever 
uh, which is super cool. And it's great that like, the, you know, uh, the folks on those reses are like politically active. But I had a lot of non-natives just text me like the graphic of like the Navajo res voting rates. And it's like, I haven't talked to you in seven years, dude. <laughs> like, it's like cool that, you know, I'm native and want to yeah. share a native thing with me. But also it's weird that you haven't talked to me in 10 years. And this is your first reach out being yeah. like, congrats, bro. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't have to reduce my entire identity down to this one thing. Right, mm. right, right, right. And if you're going to do it, reduce it to Garfield like it's supposed to. Yo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Miles, where can people find you? What's the tweet you've been enjoying? Check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. And also the other show, 420 Day Fiance with Sophia Alexandra. If you like 90 Day, come check that out. Uh, some tweets I like first one from The Onion at The Onion. It says, Roger Goodell increasingly worried NFL players at risk of gaining sentience. <laughs> Uh, very, very funny. And his look is very concerned. And then another one from uh, Tessa Violet at Tessa Violet tweeted, what if the Internet closed two days a week? Ah. And I was like, yeah, huh. I mean, huh. interesting. I mean, yeah. Let's see some tweets I've been enjoying. Kai at Kai Choice tweeted, dear Evan Hansen, can you buy us alcohol for prom? About the casting uh, of that. And Rob at Catholic Dad 420. I didn't realize that was uh, their name, but they said Twitter right now kind of has the vibe of when they turn the lights off during an assembly and everyone starts making noises when Facebook was down. I liked that. I thought that was appropriate. Also, that was such a weird like response that happened every time. Yeah, where it's like the lights turn off before everybody's eyes focus. Everybody like kind of makes noises because you can get away Everyone's with like, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I, I Got to shout out my tweet, Caitlin Jeffers. You can follow her at Jeffernot on Twitter. She's great. There you go. And then another one about the uh, time during our history when Facebook was down two nights ago. It was Corey, parentheses, Harvard graduate. Uh, I'm loving these Twitter names. Tweeted, Facebook is down, so I'm having to improvise. And then just text messages. What did you do today? Any crazy hiking adventures? <laughs> Would love to see some photos of you and the family hiking. <laughs> like smiley the face, cry, cry laugh emoji. Um, I'm sorry, who is this? It's me, Corey. Facebook is down and I'm dying to know what you're up to today. Please do not text me again. <laughs> Next one <laughs> from Corey. Hello, are you having a baby anytime soon? What? Who is this? Corey, we went to high school together. Thumbs up emoji. <laughs> How the hell did you get my number? And then finally... Uh, <laughs> Can you send me a picture of the lasagna you made tonight? Sunglasses, fire, fire emoji. Who's this? How did you know I made lasagna? lasagna. You always make lasagna on Monday nights. <laughs> like the hang loose hand. Love to see it. Highlight of my Monday. I'm calling the police. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Hell yeah. You having a baby anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious. <laughs> uh, so you can funny. find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes on our footnotes, Footnote. where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Uh, Miles, what song are we sending people to go check out? This is a track from AJ Radical, and I'm just some, some you know that new New York vibe out there. I think he's from Queens, and I love the production. It's kind of like very lo-fi, sampley. It sounds like just really super bit crushed samples, but his flow is really dope on it. Uh, and this track is called Armor. 
So check out Armor by AJ Radico. All right. Well, The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning, but we're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.